Are you looking to increase your lead gen efforts? Need to retain your existing customer base? Frazier Communications has helped clients in both B2B and B2C achieve just that. We know that perceptive research matched with emotionally compelling creative will motivate clicks, rings, the close, and the purchase. We know how to help you get and keep your valuable customers. If we can help you, go to FraserCommunications.com and contact Renee Frazier. This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Frazier Productions. Welcome to The Deciders. This is Renee Frazier. I'm the founder and CEO of Frazier Communications. We're the leading and largest woman-owned and woman-led advertising communications firm in Southern California. And at Frazier Communications, we work with integrated media, social media, digital, etc., to change behaviors. Our job is to grow brands and to positively impact society particularly now in the public sector. We're doing a lot of messaging around COVID-19 and about health behaviors. And we've been monitoring these difficult times. In these stressful times of COVID-19, with physical distancing and safer at home, often people feel isolated, sometimes worried and distressed. I hope most of you know there are places you could go for help 24-7. There's people you can talk to who are trained and there to help. Well, one of those organizations is the D.D. Hirsch Mental Health Services with a specific crisis line. And today on the show, we have Carolyn Levitan, the director of the crisis line at the D.D. Hirsch Mental Health Services uh, organization. There, calls to the helpline have increased, hear this loud and clear, 350% in February and March Sadly, people are in great need to talk and to be gaining help. And we want people to know this is a free service to them as well. And I know Carolyn will give us the number and talk with us about it. Well, Carolyn, welcome to The Deciders. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Uh, Carolyn, let's start with what you're experiencing on the disaster distress helpline as a result of COVID-19. Tell us what you're seeing and what you're hearing from people. So we are hearing a lot of anxiety Concerns about health, concerns about finances, uh, loss of job, relationship issues. COVID is impacting people in all different areas of their life, and we're seeing that really impact people's emotional well-being. Mm, so it's obviously a health crisis, but it's also a mental health crisis, and now, of course, economic crisis. We're seeing the, the numbers of uh, uh, people out of jobs have increased so radically, and we're doing this interview in April, and uh, we see that the numbers have gone back to what it was during the Great Recession when we saw the layoffs. And I'm sad to say I think it's going to increase. So all of those factors are creating a lot of stress on people. And I guess when people call into the line, uh, it isn't always about health. It's, it's a variety of reasons, right? And they're calling about their feelings primarily, I would assume. So people are calling um, in crisis, an emotional crisis, or in need of support. Um, So, yeah, to to talk about what's going on, to have someone on the other end of the phone listen, be nonjudgmental, provide empathy, and also someone to kind of give some direction around resources or potential next steps. Well, what kind of resources do you offer to people? It really depends on the call. A safety plan with someone or a plan for after the call could be as simple as what is something you can do to take care of yourself today, whether that's taking a bath, having a snack, something very simple, or it could be, 
you know, are you interested in therapy resources? Um, do you mm. need some other resources around food, finances, um, housing? And we can provide all of those resources. No, I think that's good for people to know. I think, you know, with the name Mental Health Center, there's an expectation that it's going to be primarily counseling. But you can also direct them to places for job opportunities, also to get supplemental income, it sounds like, and other ways that can help them beyond just uh, counseling itself. Is that correct? Correct. Good to know. Good to know. Now, tell me what, what, what's, what you're hearing from people. What are the stories they're calling about? I, I assume it's some of the things we see on the news, but, but tell us what people are, are upset about, what they need help with, what, what kinds of things. So the major concerns that our callers are citing are concerns around COVID itself, whether that means the impact of COVID or being scared of contracting COVID or dying of COVID or, you know, having someone else in their life uh, contract COVID, a lot of anxiety and stress, health concerns, and relationship mm-hmm. concerns. That seems to be the mm-hmm. main things we're seeing. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. I think, you know, in some ways, too, just being able to talk to someone, right, that I felt like I might have gotten contaminated, my, uh, you know, my roommate or my uh, family member goes out all the time, they're not wearing a mask, I don't know what to do. I mean, do you give them practical advice in terms of how to protect themselves as well and things they can share with others to increase um, the likelihood of not getting it? I'm sure you do, right? You give them tools and ways to do this? We give people a lot of guidance and information that we receive from the CDC or from the Department of Public Health. So we're obviously not medical professionals ourselves, so we try to keep those boundaries there. However, we direct people to the appropriate resources, whether that's they should see their doctor or they should call the Department of Public Health. But we're there to provide emotional support around the stress that comes from mm-hmm. having all of the concerns. Mm-hmm. Calling the Department of Public Health is good. Did you also ever send them to the website for the Department of Public Health? There's a lot of information and frequently asked questions. Do you ever guide them to that? We have done that, yes. Mm-hmm. We work with the Department of Public Health, and we put a lot of that content up there at Fraser Communications. So I'm, I'm always curious to see that. And uh, we are working with them on the COVID-19 messaging. And, of course, there's a, a rich website. I think particularly the, the frequently asked questions, like it's what other people are concerned about, and here are the, uh, the right answers, if you will, the vetted answers. And, of course, they work closely with the CDC and the WHO to get that material. But I'm glad to hear that there's that kind of a partnership. Now, now manning a line like that, you know, 24-7 means you must have a, a lot of volunteers. How many volunteers do you typically have, or and are some of them paid staff? Just give us an idea of who's answering the, the crisis line. So we currently have 70 paid staff and around 215 volunteers. Wow. So how does that work? How do the volunteers work in relation to the the paid staff? What's the arrangement? So our paid staff really oversee the shifts as supervisors. We also have paid staff that are bilingual counselors in either Korean or Spanish because we provide both of those languages. We also have paid staff on our overnight shifts. Our volunteers Mm. help support the the daytime shifts by taking one four-hour shift per week. Uh, just one per week, because uh, I think listening is stressful to begin with. How do people get to become volunteers, and what, what, uh, how do they become one, and then what's the training for that? So we get people with interest from all over, um, people either being interested in the mental health field, 
or having a suicide loss themselves and wanting to help someone else or having lived experience. So people come to us for a variety of reasons and we, no one has to have any type of mental health experience to be a volunteer here. You just have to be 21 or older and attend our extensive training, which is about 80 plus hours of in classroom mm-hmm. and out of classroom work. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that. I think that that training is important. So people, uh, just uh, they, although they're not professionally trained, I know the training is uh, very thorough and gives them uh, all the tools they need. So they know you don't want to be uh, answering these questions and give the wrong answers, right? You want to feel like you're fully prepared and confident in what you're doing. So it sounds like the training really helps people. I'm curious too when you do training, do you ever have people who listen on the line with with the volunteers so they coach them on how they may be handling something? So during the training period, we do a lot of shadowing. So trainees will come in and listen to live calls. You know, you mentioned suicide, and I think uh, when uh, some of these crisis lines were originally created, the anticipation was that uh, there were suicide lines and when people were worried, really despondent, that they should call. Uh, Are you getting a high proportion of suicide calls or is it other broader issues like we just talked about? We're not seeing a huge increase in suicidality compared to other months of calls that we received, but we are seeing a lot more emotional crisis, a lot more anxiety, a lot more panic. Um, however, for people that already were having thoughts of suicide, COVID has increased those at times because we know mm-hmm. that some of the contributing factors to suicidal thoughts are helplessness, hopelessness, social isolation, a lack of goals or plans for the future. And a lot of Mm -hmm. those things are resulting from COVID. Right, right. Uh, The lack of control, right? And that your future is unclear and that uh, you may feel like it's inevitable, particularly if you live in certain areas, you may come to believe that uh, you're going to get ill, for instance, if you're in a skilled uh, uh, nursing facility, which is not the case at all. But because of the incidents may be higher around you, you might convince yourself, right, that you you uh, are in a desperate situation. Um, that's very, very hard on people, I understand. But I also think the economic situation, right, has increased people's stress, uh, and uh, it could also lead to uh, suicidal tendencies. Are you seeing any of that where people have lost their jobs, they don't feel they have control any longer, and they're feeling hopeless? We're seeing a lot of that. A lot of people um, that have either had their hours cut, been furloughed, lost their jobs completely, they don't know what's next for them. And also, a lot of people's jobs are part of their identity. So when you lose that, you lose part of your identity and you don't really know where to go from from here. That's true. That's a difficult one. I think you're right. People tend to identify with their jobs. I guess in those cases, though, there are many other things they can do to create identity for themselves, certainly volunteering, but you have to do physical distancing, right? I've seen a lot of people who are retired or people who um, whose jobs have been diminished and they've furloughed. They've started to volunteer. One of my dear friends just posted on Instagram. She is uh, driving a Red Cross uh, blood mobile. <laughs> and she, she's so proud of her. She says it gives a whole new meaning to meaning in her life, right, that she's mm-hmm. driving it up to locations where people are donating blood, and we know how critical that is in this period. So um, she found a substitute in some ways and another identity. Is that part of the process that you recommend to people? I mean, that's a great idea. Volunteering is is a great option. We're also talking to people about just any way that they can socially connect. 
A lot of people mm-hmm. that even still have their jobs are staying home all day because they're working from home. So how do you connect with other people? How do you feel included? Um, how do you feel like you kind of have your tribe and people that you can talk to and lean on? So through technology, we have a lot of options nowadays for people to connect. So we review a lot of those different ideas with our callers and chatters. That's a really good idea. I know this evening I have a call with a group of women presidents. I'm part of a group called WPO, Women Presidents Organization. We all run our own companies, and we'll do a Zoom chat uh, once uh, a month, and now we're talking about doing it twice a month, which is great, where we can all talk to each other and see each other's faces and talk about our concerns. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about, to kind of uh, feel included? As you said, I love those words. We are talking about things like that, and we're even doing that with our own staff and volunteers here because we're having to move remote here. So our family environment has changed. We're all kind of isolated in our homes, so we're even doing our own online happy hours, so to speak, um, where Mm -hmm. our volunteers and our staff can connect with one another and see each other's faces through the computer. That's great. You know, the other thing we've started to do in my company, and one of the employees came up with this idea, we call it Happy Mondays. Everybody is responsible one week to send out something fun or have something that makes them happy. It could be a meme. It could be a picture. Uh, it could be a collage. And that uh, we submit it to each other, you know, across the company so people get a laugh. Because I do think humor is an important part of this, right? You have to have some lightness in your life. Is this something you also really, recommend? Really yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think also just... Uh, kind of controlling one's environment for people that are experiencing anxiety around COVID. We're talking about, you know, don't watch the news quite as much. You know, what what types of activities make you feel calmer and what types of activities make you feel more anxious? And we're encouraging people to kind of step back and do things to really take care of themselves. Well, that reminds me of some of the things I think that are really important. And we've been sharing also in our company uh, apps for calming yourself and meditation. Right. And then even engaging in uh, yoga and other forms of uh, peaceful, uh, intentional uh, mind, uh, mind work. Are these parts of uh, the coping skills that you also share? We definitely have a lot of websites and apps similar to that that we offer up to people that we let people know are out there. Yeah, I think it's important. You know, I, I, I feel that people want to look for things, but it's also encouraging, you know, doing it on your own through a Google search is one thing. But having an informed professional or a, a well-trained volunteer coax you into it helps a lot, right? Talking about it almost as a friend because so often you feel like you're the only one and you feel diminished or sometimes even shamed of, of, of the way you feel. And it helps to have someone else be encouraging and reinforce who you are. And that's what's so important on these crisis lines, right? It's, it's a willing listener with a very positive attitude. And, and I think you said earlier, no judgment. Are there other ways you would describe the kind of listening that's done? I mean, besides the factual and the rational, what about on the emotional side? So our counselors really, um, you know, we're actively listening, we're validating, we're empathizing with what people are saying. A lot of people think that our counselors have to solve problems, and we really don't. We're not able to solve our callers and chatters problems all the time. I can't get someone a new job. I can't 
solve their financial concerns. But what I can do is I can listen and I can make them feel like they're being heard and that they're important and that their feelings matter. And sometimes that's enough for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that their feelings matter. I think that's uh, a lot of it, right? That they count and that their feelings, like you said, are being validated. You know, you call them callers and you also call them chatters. Is there a difference there? Yeah, so at the Suicide Prevention Center at D.D. Hirsch, we have um, a call program where we take calls on the phone. We also have a chat program where we take online chats on the computer, so very similar to texting. So a lot of our younger people in the community uh, prefer that option over, t- over calling into the lines. Oh, that's interesting. And is the online chat, uh, it's a different, is it a website number or uh, it's not the phone number itself? How do, you, how do people access it? It's through um, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is the same, um, also the the hotline that we have. But if they go to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline website, they will find the chat option. And we're one of the uh, centers that works as part of that network to provide that 24-7 coverage for the online chat program. Yeah, I think you alluded to it, but you find on the online chat, it tends to be younger people who want to chat and talk that way. Definitely. I think now with new forms of technology, even before COVID, I think a lot of our youth and even young adults are much more comfortable talking by by text or mm-hmm. through the computer than talking mm-hmm. over the phone. And talking over the phone sometimes feels scary or not confidential enough or too intimate. Mm-hmm. So sometimes right. starting with, with an online chat or a text can feel more comfortable to people. So does this uh, national website also offer a text option for people? Currently, the Disaster Distress Helpline has a text option. So um, the Disaster Distress Helpline, that's also uh, the the 1-800-985-5990. They also have a text option um, by texting TALK WITH US to 66746. So that's also a national option through the Disaster Distress Helpline. So let's go through those one more time. Can you, let's see the phone number one more time. 800, go ahead. 1-800-985-5990. And that doesn't spell anything as an acronym, does it? No, No, it doesn't. So that's just for the Disaster Distress Helpline. The um, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK. Got it. Talk. And then talk with us. Tell us about what that is. So that's if someone wants to reach the disaster stress helpline through the texting option, they would text talk with us to 66746. And the disaster stress helpline really provides emotional support to people that are experiencing a human-made or natural disaster, including the things like public health crises, which COVID falls under. That's great to know that these are available as resources, and these are all free, right? People can call in for free and, and get a listening ear, as we said, and a trained ear that also might uh, act, give them access to other resources, correct? Yes, and the great thing about these hotlines is they're available 24-7. Sometimes when we need help and when we're at our lowest point, it's not a convenient time for us to talk to our therapist or call a friend or family member. It could be in the middle of the night. So we're always there. People never have to feel alone when they're in crisis. 
I love that. And then it's also confidential, correct? It is confidential. We're held to same, some of the same expectations um, as other health professionals, such as, uh, you know, if we, if we have suspected child abuse or imminent danger, if someone's going to imminently hurt themselves or someone else, we do need to report that, but we make that very clear to the callers or chat visitors um, when they ask us. But other than that, yes, our, our calls and our chats are confidential, and we do not record any of those at our center uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. It's very important. So I mentioned my firm is a communications firm. We One of the things we uh, do is we work with the Department of Public Health on substance abuse and help people understand that there's help available to them. So it's prevention, treatment, and in some cases, harm reduction. So we did an opioid campaign uh, to let people know how you can become dependent. And we're currently doing a methamphetamine campaign, letting people know their health. The line that the Department of Public Health has is called the SASH line. It's a substance abuse health help line. And interestingly enough, they haven't been seeing increases in call volume. And we've told them we think it's because younger people don't want to talk as much as text or be online. So you're nice to hear you validate that. But the other thing we learned is we asked people and one of we do a pre and a post evaluation of the campaign. And it's about 3000 people that are, are talked with throughout LA County. So it's quite thorough and, and a robust sample. And they told us they wanted to make sure it was free and confidential. They didn't know whether or not it was sadly, you know, so many of us have had had helplines available through the years that we, kind of assume people know what they are, but I think that's a mistaken notion, right? And, and speaking of that, how do people find out about your helplines and about these crisis lines? You're right. Sometimes there's almost too many resources out there, right? It can be confusing to, to navigate and to know which line should I call. Um, the good mm-hmm. thing is about these lines is anyone can call. Um, no one's an inappropriate caller. If their needs can be better met by a different line, we can warm transfer them to another line that could better meet their needs. So people are never going to get necessarily turned away or, or hung up on or told that they're not calling the right place. We'll get them where they need to go. You know, the number one reason people gave us, and I'm sure the Department of Health wouldn't mind us sharing this, is that they wouldn't go, is they were ashamed and they were felt they were going to be judged. So that was the main, that was the top two reasons. Uh, the lack of knowledge it was free and confidential came lower. But uh, this notion that you're going to um, be embarrassed or ashamed to talk about it, h- how do you ameliorate that? How do you work to let people know that that's not necessarily, that's not at all what's going to happen? We can understand a lot why people might feel that way because sadly in society today, a lot of people are judged. Um, they may talk to a friend or family member, someone who's not educated on what they're dealing with and not respond in a helpful or comforting way. So a lot of people have had bad experiences in the past, even with mental health professionals. So when they call a line like ours, you're right, they can be a little bit suspicious of what is this line like? You know, are these people going to be helpful or not? Are they going to be nice or not? Um, Mm -hmm. Are they going to really listen? So we would really validate someone's negative past experiences. You know, uh, we understand how frustrating that might be and really try to give them a different experience. Right. I think that's important. And and I think that if they have a good experience with you, then they tell friends and relatives. But I also think, you know, when you mentioned the confidentiality and the help, uh, they can't afford their rent. You know, they're in a difficult situation or are not able to feed their families. They don't want to be reported. 
right to social services or uh, to any other uh, government agency. So there has to be a lot of reassurance that they're going to get the right information and that you're going to gain help them solve the problem, not make it worse, right? And I'm sure that's the focus, right? Do you ever ask them to call back later? Do you ever engage with people on a, on a regular basis once they have uh, reached out? So we do have a follow-up program so that if our uh, callers or chatters at the end of the contact are still pretty high risk um, but are able to stay safe for a short period of time and agree to that, we will see if they're open to us calling them in 20 minutes, an hour, two hours, one day, whatever time frame is appropriate to really check in and see how they're doing. And we found that that really helps to make people feel connected and feel cared about. Oh, I love that. I think it really does make people feel cared about. I mean, just knowing somebody wants to check in on you means you built a relationship and it says a lot about, uh, you know, that uh, you care about them and that somebody, I think it's really important. I'm glad to hear it's based on the nature of the call and how severe the problem is evidently, correct? Yes. And, you know, that really points to the fact that hospitalization uh, is our last option. You know, we're not mm-hmm. here to anyone with suicidal thoughts. We're not, you know, telling them to go to the hospital or making them go to the hospital. Um, that's a very last resort. Um, we always try to de-escalate our callers and chat visitors and keep them in the community by collaborating with us and coming up with a safety plan. So we always want to work with the caller to come up with a plan that we both can agree on. That's really smart. Well, Carolyn, you've been wonderful. This has been Carolyn Levitan, the director of the Crisis Line at the D.D. Hirsch Mental Health Services Center. I'm going to ask you, Carolyn, to give us the uh, 800 numbers again and the the way to uh, text. So please say those uh, one more time for our listeners. So the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline for people that are in emotional or suicidal crisis or worried about someone else can call 1-800-273-TALK. That is available 24-7. For those that want to call the Disaster Distress Helpline, which is for people that are in emotional crisis as a result of a man-made or natural disaster, including public health crisis such as COVID, they can call 1-800-985-5990. They can also text talk with us to 66746 to text with the Disaster Stress Helpline, and both those services are also available 24-7. All of them are free as well. Well, thank you, Carolyn. Well, thank you all for listening to The Deciders with Renee Frazier. After listening, you know Frazier Communications is a full-service advertising and communications firm. You can contact us to learn more at FrazierCommunications.com, and this radio podcast will be available at FrazierCommunications.com. Thank you for listening. Have a good week ahead, and stay safe and stay home as much as you possibly can. Don't forget physical distancing. Thank you for listening. This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Frazier Productions.